Missio Dei, the mission of God. Um, we are on a mission from God. I see a few heads nod, a few giggles and smiles out there. You've heard that before, haven't you? The Blues Brothers, that's right. We are on a mission from God, right? Um, they were on a mission. And their mission in that particular movie was to save the orphanage, uh, the children's home at which they were raised in. Um, what other things come to your mind when you think of, when you think of a mission? What, what came to my mind as I thought about this was the Fellowship of the Ring. Uh, you know, uh, the Hobbits, Frodo and Samwise, and, and then Gandalf and Legolas and Aragorn and Boromir and, uh, and the rest of those that, that were the Fellowship of the Ring. And their mission was to take that little ring to Mordor and put it in the lava so it would melt away and it wouldn't be able to control. I mean, they were, their mission was to rid the world, their world, of evil. A pretty big mission. Um, but one that, that all of those standing around there that particular day at the beginning of the movie were willing to risk everything. Um, even relating to each other because a couple of them didn't really get along that well at first. To accomplish this mission that they had. Um, what about Mission Impossible? And I'm not talking about the one today with, oh, what's his name, but I'm talking about the one with Peter Graves and, and Barbara Bain. Right? Mission Impossible. This message will self-destruct in 30 seconds, right? Or 10 seconds or whatever. You know, they received this message by, by some, some way, and, and whatever agent, particular agent it was that day that received the message, what did they do? It's like, okay... And of course, when you were watching it, well, I didn't ever watch it. I wasn't born yet. <laughs> when we were watching it, we thought to ourselves, well, that's impossible. They can't, uh, they can't do that. Well, that's the name of the show, right? But they always did. And, and well, most of the time they did. And they were, they were willing to sacrifice their very life to accomplish the mission because they knew the mission that they had had a greater purpose. There was a greater thing going on here. There were bigger wheels than their little wheels that was spinning on the planet that were in motion. And they were just a small part of that. This super important task, a huge responsibility, yes, but, but the importance of the task does not overshadow the fact that the agent, whoever it was, in any of these was chosen. They, were, they, they, they had a decision to make before them. There was this mission that needed to be undertaken, and were they going to do it or not? Another mission-oriented um, uh, movie, I guess, that I thought of this week was Apollo 13. You know, they were on a mission to the moon, right? And somewhere along the line, their mission changed. Something happened, and their mission stopped, be stopped being, let's get to the moon, and it became, let's just get home. Right? And, and they did. Uh, there seems to be a reoccurring theme here in these movies, doesn't there? Uh, one, one last movie I want to mention um, uh, this accomplishing a mission, this saving idea. In, in this month's article, uh, of the church newsletter, the movie Man of Steel is referenced. Well, who who was the m movie? Who was the movie Man of Steel about? Superman. Superman. Yeah, Clark Kent. Okay. What w ultimately in the end? What was Superman's mission? To save the world. And and really, you know, we we talked about this. I think several years ago. 
about the fact that, that, that a lot of the things that occur in our lives on this planet, a lot of the stories, a lot of the movies that we see, they, they, are, they are sort of this reflection of a greater truth. Um, that's where they get their meaning. That's where they get their purpose. And, and ultimately, we know that the, the truth that they get that from is the fact that our world is broken. We are broken. And we need saved. Um, we are being destroyed as humans and are destined for eternal destruction because of sin. And we are helpless to save ourselves. And God began this mission shortly after the fall in the Garden of Eden. In fact, God was already on this mission. This was already a part of what He was going to do. Man was created in a perfect place, enjoying a perfect garden and perfect life. Um, he, he had this beautiful garden on the beautiful earth, and, and He was put in there, as we saw a couple weeks ago, to work it. Um, that was a part of what man was created for. He was given this beautiful wife. He had, they, they had a beautiful relationship with God. They walked with one another. And then, what happened? Adam and Eve drank the Kool-Aid that Satan was selling, and they took their own destiny in their own hands. And because of their pride and their selfishness, they didn't listen to what God said. And as I've been reading through, uh, and, and I, I can't help but think that there was a lack of fear of God in that moment in time. You know, I've been, I've been reading through Proverbs. Somebody challenged me to read a chapter of Proverbs every day this month and, uh, and then to talk about it with them. And so that's what we're doing. And uh, at the beginning of Proverbs, it talks about the, the beginning of wisdom. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And that we should chase after wisdom, and that we should seek wisdom, and that we shouldn't run away from wisdom. And, and, and that should be one of the greatest things that, that we look to be as wise. And, and then it describes what happens if we don't. We're foolish. We are fools if we refuse to listen to wisdom. And so Adam and Eve choose to rule themselves instead of fearing God, and evil enters the world. And I wish I could put all the blame for my own sin and guilt on Adam and Eve. I wish I could do that. Um, but did you, did you ever think that if Adam, Adam and Eve hadn't sinned and you were the first one born of their family, that it would have then been you? I, I think that a lot. I, I would have screwed it up. I would have not listened. I would have disobeyed. Um, so I can't put all of that on to Adam and Eve. I am just as guilty. I'm just as sinful. Um, there's a lot of evil in our world today, isn't there? You don't have to turn the TV on, but for one minute... Uh, to any show, really, a commercial, a news program, and see that there's evil in the world. And, and that our world is in a constant state of decay. The, the Bible says that the earth is groaning. Even, even the, the creation itself is in decay. But God didn't just leave His creation to succumb to evil and death. He's on a mission in the world. God is on a mission in the world. Uh, look at 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 and 9 up here on the screen. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. It's like, Lord, why don't you come today? What are you waiting for? Why? Why are you, are you slow? P 
Peter's saying, ho, ho, wait a minute. No. No. God isn't slow. He's patient. He's not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God is on a mission in our world. He's on a mission to seek and save the lost. Jesus clarified that in Luke chapter 19, verses 10, verse 10, and in John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. And scripturally, we get one of our first glimpses of how he is going to carry out his mission in Genesis chapter 18. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 18, please. Grab your Bible or a Bible underneath a chair. First book of the Bible. Go to chapter 18. We're going to read verses uh, 17, 18, and 19. Genesis chapter 18. Verses 17, 18, and 19. The very beginning, or... Verse 17, Then the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what what I am about to do? Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all nations on earth will be blessed through him. For I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. Number one in your notes is Israel, God's first agent. Israel is God's first agent because from Abraham, the nation of Israel is born. And this nation will be incredibly blessed by God. I mean, we see it in the pages of the Old Testament. God, God does amazing things for the people of Israel. They are to be His people and they are to keep the way of the Lord, it says. The nation of Israel will be God's people. But, but did God choose the nation of Israel? Did He, did he choose to, to raise up a nation from Abraham just simply so He could you know, put a mark on his, on, his, on his doorpost or whatever and say, yep, got me a nation. Is that why God did that? Just so that He could have a people group like we have a cat or a dog? I mean, really, sometimes it's just like, I want one. Um, and, and I want to have one so that I can take care of it, right? And, and we take care of them and we feed them. Um, we call them our own. Is that why God wanted a nation? If we think that, we've missed some important words in this passage. Look at it again. I want you to underline it. If, If you're into underlining in your Bible, underline verse 18. Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation and all nations on earth will be blessed through him. And I want you to circle the words, all nations. All nations. God is on a mission. And that mission is to save the world. And he's going to need a special agent. And his first special agent, his first agent or agency that he chooses is the nation of Israel. They are to live and interact with Him in such a way that, that is an, it's an illustration to all nations all around who God is and how He wants to save them. He wasn't, they, they weren't chosen by God simply for their own salvation and protection. All nations on earth are to be blessed by them. That was the message to Abraham from the very beginning. God had a plan and He's beginning to work that out. Um, Flip over to Genesis chapter 22. His mission is also described, verses 17, 18, and 19. Again, I will surely bless you, God says, and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of your enemies, and through your offspring, 
all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Through your offspring, what? All nations. All nations. Israel is to be the instrument in which the goodness and salvation of God is communicated to the rest of the world. God's first agent is Israel. Now, as we look back at the history of Israel, what do we see? We don't see success all the time. We see, we, we, we see them failing, having trouble. They, they, they walk with the Lord and then they fall down and, and, and then He disciplines them and then they walk with Him again. They struggle at times. They, they, they lose sight of God's mission and they focus on themselves. But yet, He chose them. God knew all of history. He knew all of what was going to take place, yet He chose Israel. Israel was God's first agent. And that's only the beginning of His mission. Looking back, we can see that, that He is beginning to prepare for what is to come. And hundreds and hundreds, and, and actually it's about 2,000 years later in God's perfect timing, at the precise moment in history when He wanted it to, even the stars align properly. Uh, think about that. Even the stars align properly. God is just amazing. He sends a special agent. Now, who is that special agent? I heard a couple people say it. Who is that special agent? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. Jesus is God's special agent. It's like under the cover of darkness of night. In about as humble a place as you can possibly get. Cows and sheep and straw and manure. And I'm not sure what time of year it was, but maybe flies. Uh, almost secretly, no huge fanfare except for one enormous outburst to a few shepherds. But the world knew he was coming. Prophecies have proclaimed this day for a thousand years. People were waiting expectantly. Some even were looking for the signs. In fact, uh, and I wonder, I wonder if I would, if I were in that if I was alive then, if I had been, you know, just up the street uh, from where Jesus was born, if I would have recognized and, and noticed what was going on. I don't know. Um, but the pagans knew that he had arrived, didn't they? Uh, we have some magi show up from the east. Who were they? They weren't Christ followers. They were men who had studied the prophecies and who were looking at the stars and knew that this particular star was an answer to a prophecy and that the Messiah had come. Um, an indication in the universe that God's special agent, Jesus Christ the Messiah, had come. Think about that. Now, I, I, you know, as you think about stars and you've heard them say, well, that, when you see the light of a star, it's really dead. You know, that's just the light finally getting to us, right? Well, if that's true... Um, then God had this plan for this particular star light to show up at a particular time, or maybe he just went, boom, there it was. Um, the point is, God is at work. Uh, what, what would have gone through your mind if, if you were in the stable at that time, and you're standing back behind the sheep, and you're standing back behind the shepherds if they're there at this time, and, and you look down and you see a baby an infant in, in some straw, what, what would you be thinking? And let's, let's say that you knew that this was the Messiah. 
What, what would you be thinking? I would just, wouldn't that be cool? Wouldn't it just be amazing to be looking there and, and, and as we read the story and as we see Mary is just, Mary is just marveling at what's going on here. This is God right here. Think about that. If that doesn't blow your mind, I don't know what will. Um, amazing. Uh, and, and here's the thing. Um, he was, uh, you know, I don't care what Silent Night says. He was crying. You know, you know, it, it says no crying did he make. I, it, he was human, okay? Um, he, he was human flesh like we all are. And I'm not sure a, a baby has ever been born. Has it ever been medically documented a baby's ever been born and didn't cry? Um, like us, Jesus grew up. Um, he did everything a baby would do. Uh, he became a toddler. He probably fell down while learning to walk. Uh, I wonder what his first words were. Uh, John 3.16? Um, no, no. You see, we, we want to jump, jump from the manger to when he's 30. And, and that's understandable because in Scripture, the account that we have is from the very beginning. And then we get a, a small glimpse when he was 12 or 13. And then it jumps to, to when he really starts his ministry when he's an adult. But, but, I mean, let's just... You know, he didn't go into cryonesis or whatever and just you know grow up there and then come back out he he's growing up he's he's in a family he's doing all the things that we have done um i i wonder that if when he was a teenager if there were a couple girls at the end of his street that didn't think he was cute you know they they passed notes in jewish class or whatever i i don't know um you know he became a teenager uh, and, and I would guess, um, well, it says in Scripture even that, that he has been tempted in every way that we are. And, and as if, if you think about him going from birth to, to an adult, it, it would stand to reason, right? He's experienced everything in life that any one of us have in this room. Uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are. Yet was without sin. And I know I've said this before, but wouldn't you hate to be a sibling? Yeah, I mean, there's no telling mom or dad it was his fault. Ain't going to happen. Because it was never his fault. He always did what was right. He did not sin. He was the perfect, sinless, unblemished lamb of God, sacrificed for you and for me, who willingly went to the cross for each one of us. He willingly went. He willingly died. Uh, what a special agent. Um, following the Father's will for him. Taking action on the part of God's mission in the world that only he could do. And I'm so thankful for that. And, and today we commemorate that as we celebrate communion at the end of the service. It's, it's good to remember that, isn't it? And, and, now, and now for the most humbling and exciting point of the day. Uh, we are God's agents in His mission to the world today. We are God's agents. So in that blank right there, I want you to put your name. Don't put we. I want you to, if you're a Christ follower, if you profess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you put your name after number three. God's current agent. Now many people will, 
will see this truth and, and your, your hand is trembling as you're even writing it in there. You're thinking, oh, I don't really feel like much of an agent. I'm not, I'm not sure that's me. Um, when you hear that, uh, one of the things that comes to my mind when I hear that, that, I, that God has chosen me to be his, his agent is evangelism. You know, I think, well, you know, evangelism. And, and there's probably a hundred different ideas in this room right here of what evangelism is. And, and most of those ideas that we have that evangelism is put fear in our, in our life. You know, it's like, whoa, I'm not an evangelist. I mean, I'm stumbling over my words as I'm saying it. And, and it's true. I, I can tell you that truth this morning. I know for a matter of fact that I do not have the gift of evangelism. Okay? Now, next week, next week we are going to spend the entire uh, message talking about evangelism. What it is, what it isn't, and our responsibility for it. And so, again, I, I, I hope that you will come back next week because um, I, I think that, that it will be one of the most encouraging messages you've ever heard on evangelism. Wow. Whew, I just sort of put that right there, didn't I? Um, a new understanding of that word. Uh, maybe you get weak in the knees when you think about proclaiming the name of Jesus. Being His agent. You're, you're thinking, but what if I mess up? What if, I, what if I say the wrong thing? What, what if they ask me a question and I don't know the answer to? So, so we start hearing those things and we start backing away and we say, well, you know, just, to, just so I don't screw things up for God, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. You know what? That, that, is, that is from the pit of hell. Um, that is a discouragement that Satan would want you to have in your life. A fear of talking about the, the greatest thing that's ever happened to you. And, and it happens. I, I know it does. It's, it's happened to me. But, but God has called us. God has called us to be His agents. And, and that excites me and that encourages me. And, and, and hear me out on this. This is why this comforts me. That we are His agents. And, and I know you're, you're probably thinking, well, here he goes. You know, it's time for Pastor Dave to heap on the guilt, and, and he's going to do that next week. You know, I'm going to come, and, and he's going to make me feel guilty, and then I'm going to go, and I'm going to try and talk to someone, and I'm going to fail, and then I'm going to uh, remember why I never did this before, etc., etc., etc. You know what? I'm sorry to disappoint you, but I am not heaping guilt on this series. Ain't going to happen. We're going we're gonna to talk truth, and we're going to talk life. Um, and Satan's going to try and attempt to convince you that you are not qualified to be a current agent. He, he's going to do everything he can to convince you that you are really better off just keeping your mouth shut. That, that you somehow might screw it up. But I want you to think about this. Uh, think about this. Um, how many of us in here would acknowledge that God created the world? Raise your hands. Okay? God created the world. Um, how many of us in here would acknowledge that God is the, the, the greatest God to ever live? Raise your hand. Okay? He always has been and He always will be. He created everything with His voice. He created you and He created me. And He is on a mission. He's on a mission to save the world. 
And you know what this great God who created everything on the planet has done? He has chosen you and He has chosen me to be His agents in the world today. Now, if you want to say God doesn't know what He's doing, you take that upon yourself. I'm not going to do that. God absolutely knows what He's doing. And He has chosen us. And we should find some comfort in that. We should find, we should find some truth in that and we should recognize that, that He knows what He's doing. And, and if He wants to use us to, to accomplish His mission, then, then He's going to use us. And, and we need to remember that anything is possible with God. Anything. And He has chosen as one of His instruments, you and me, to bring the message that He has to save the world. It's time for us to recognize that God's mission is bigger than me. It's bigger than some of those uncomfortable feelings that I have. Um, it's an incredibly big undertaking. Again, you can turn on the news for a little bit and you can see, wow, there's a lot of sinners in the world. Uh, all of us in here, right? But may we be re- reminded that nothing is impossible with Him. He, he has worked throughout... He, he worked through... He chose the nation of Israel, right? To be what? His agents. To, to bless all the nations, right? Did they screw up? Yes. If, they, if it was possible for it to be screwed up so bad, for, for man to screw up God's mission so bad, do you think we'd be standing here today? Absolutely not. They would have blown it for us a long time ago. God knows what He's doing. And we need to trust Him with that. And we, we need to recognize that, you know what? We're His agents. He has chosen us. He has chosen me. He has chosen you. I don't care what age you are. I don't care what job you do. God has put His hand on you as a Christ follower as His agent in the world. That's amazing to me. The United States has embassies all over the world. Some of them are in pretty unsecure, dangerous places. We know that to be true from what happened in this last year in Benghazi. But there are men and women who are chosen to be ambassadors for the United States who find it a privilege and go willingly to any of those countries to serve and, and they are there as an ambassador to represent uh, the goodness of the United States. They, they're, they're often ridiculed. They're, they're often uh, rejected, sometimes even killed. But they continue to bring the message of political freedom and de- democracy to other countries. They're, they're trying to work there. They are representatives of the United States of America. They are on a mission from a nation to a nation. Okay, we are the current agents on a mission, on a mission, God's mission, to nations from God. Uh, look up in your Bible, Second Corinthians chapter five, verses nineteen through twenty-one, with me. Second Corinthians chapter five, verses nineteen through twenty-one. Second Corinthians five, nineteen through twenty one. 
And Paul's talking about this mission of reconciliation that God has on the planet. And, and I want to encourage you to, to spend some time this week reading that passage. I, I just gave you a meditate passage instead of a memory verse um, to, to read in the next steps for this week. 2 Corinthians 5, beginning in verse 19, that God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them, and He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Let's stop there for just a moment. God is taking the action here, isn't He? And, and what is He doing? Um, is He just doing this for a few people or for just one nation? No. He's, he's doing it for all men, for all nations, for the world. And how is He doing it? He's doing it by not counting men's sins against them. Well, there's only one way that that can possibly happen. That's if Jesus Christ has become the atonement for that person's sin. So when we put our faith and trust in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, our sins are not counted against us. And then he continues in verse verse 20, and he says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making His appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God first, believe, and be saved. God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. And in that righteousness, as we live our lives, we are the ambassadors for Him on His mission. We are Christ's ambassadors, God's current agents. And again, you might be thinking, well, I think he could have picked a better person. You know, no, he couldn't have. He has picked you and he has gifted you to be a specific part of his mission. A part of the grand scheme. His his grand mission to save the planet. You and I have specific roles and parts in that. And I, I I want to encourage us to let the Word of God soak in. Let Read this passage this week over and over and over again. I want to encourage you to, to watch Second Look. Second Look, um, this message series, Pastor Ty is going to look at uh, the life of Paul and how Paul I- exhibits um, God's mission. And next week, we'll, we'll see how Paul... Um, after the sermon, we'll see how Paul participated in evangelism, and then we'll see how Paul served. Philip Clancy said this, For the watching world, we ourselves serve proof that God is alive. We form the visible shape of what He is like. I know that's true for me. I wouldn't be anything like I am today if it weren't for Jesus Christ in my life, and that's what people see. It's proof that God is alive. Look at Acts chapter 2, verses 46 and 47 up here on the screen. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. They were ambassadors for Christ. Just in living their lives. Doing what was right. Being obedient. And what was happening? There were many being saved. Many people. God was adding to their numbers. When Secretary of State uh, George Shultz was serving during the Reagan administration, he had this large globe in his office. And, and when he would have a newly appointed ambassador, 
Um, he would interview them when they would come home after having been to the country uh, that they were an ambassador in. And he would always test them using this globe. Um, he would say this, you, uh, you have to go over there to that globe and prove to me that you can identify your country. And they would always go without fail to the globe. They would spin it. They would find the country that they were serving in as an ambassador and they, were point, they would point to it. And none of them ever got that wrong. And then one day, a friend of his, former Senate Majority Leader Mike Mansfield, was appointed ambassador to Japan. And he even put him to the test. This time, however, Ambassador Mansfield spun the globe and he put his hand on the United States and he said, that's my country. And on June 27, 1993, Schultz related, related this to Brian Lamb on C-SPAN's television program, Book Notes. And, and he said this about that interaction. He said, I've told that story subsequently to all the ambassadors going out. Never forget you're over there in that country. But your country is the United States of America. You're there to represent us, take care of our interests, and never forget it. And you're representing the best country in the world. Well, we are Christ's ambassadors in this country, in this nation. He has chosen you. He has chosen me. What an amazing thing to have been chosen by the Creator of the universe. The President of the United States or any other country, the Pope doesn't even have, um, as, as John the Baptist said, I couldn't even tie Jesus' shoes. I mean, that's... The Creator of the universe has chosen us to be His agents in the world. We are a part of the great, greatest mission to be ever undertaken on planet Earth. Yeah, that's humbling. And it's challenging, yes, but, but He has chosen us. And let's remember this week, no matter what our age is, no matter what we do, whether we go to school or we work 9 to 5 or we work the late shift, let's all remember that we are on a mission from God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. I want to thank you for encouraging my heart with this message. Uh, Lord, thank you that uh, thank you that I don't have to feel guilty. Uh, that I just need to simply understand what it is that you require. And Lord, I want to pray that for every heart and every mind here in this room today. Lord, that in this series that we would be encouraged and we would be lifted up as we recognize who we are, your chosen agents, and what it is that you have called us to be as those agents in this world. And Father, I want to thank you for Jesus, your special agent. Uh, thank you for coming and dying on the cross for us, willingly, paying the price for a billion things you didn't do yourself. You suffered the consequences. It was the only way. And I thank you for that. Oh, Jesus. That's what we celebrate right now as we partake of communion. In Jesus' name, amen.